0: What's going on, everyone? This is Mitch from respectmerging.com, back again with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast. This is season two. We're on the second year of the North American Weed Tour, looking at legal cannabis across the country. Today, I have a special guest from the home market, Gary Narwhal of Diamond Green in Tacoma. How are you doing today, Gary?
1: Hey, Mitch. How's it going, man? I'm doing great. great. How are you doing, bro?
0: living life man always a blessing i mean i know we know each other outside of this but always a blessing people on the show from from the home market uh you know i was just running an episode with the guys from mj impact and while they do national cannabis events they're located in washington and much of what i've talked to them about off offline is just the uh you know lack of love we get out here in washington when you look at at, at the cannabis industry as a whole man we're on an island
1: yeah man i've been you know rocking with y'all for a minute now and i love what you've been doing So. You know, it was an easy, easy yes to come on here, show some love and, you know, be a part of this.
0: Awesome, man. So, yeah, I know we were just talking. You just you just reminded me that you guys have been around since 2014. So that's quite a bit. You know, you said yeah, eight man. years in the show. Definitely a, a veteran, especially when you look at some of these markets that have <laughs> only had, you know, that are licenses have only been open a couple months. You know what I mean? You got eight, eight years on the board. Not very many people can say they got that.
1: Yeah, we've been we've been in the Tacoma area for now a good a good amount of time, and it's great that we we have such an established customer base that you know we've had customers from day one still rocking with us, and through all the changes and everything that's been going on in the industry, in the community, and everything. So it's cool to see that people still show love consistently. It's pretty tight.
0: Absolutely. So you know, I start off every episode with my guest kind of origin story around cannabis, whether that's personal professional kind of whatever you feel vulnerable with so i'm just kind of curious your start with the plant
1: so i started back in high school so me and my boy zach we used to live right next door to each other and you know we had these little fucking tin foil um you know those pen you know like a pen that you write Mm -hmm. with so we take the ink out and put a little fucking tin foil on the front of it poke some holes in it drop the weed in there, we smoke out of that shit back in his backyard is cancerous to say the least, but you know, that's how we've been doing it. And then ever since then, it was always like a social thing, honestly. And then I got into doing martial arts and then it became more of a like alleviation thing from pain and all that, you know, all the the bodily traumas I would have from Taekwondo. And yeah, and then after that just became I guess, a way of life in a sense. To where it was just a habit, and a, you know, a thing we would do, kick it, we smoke, and eventually moved on to, you know, getting into the cannabis space. And I was like, man, this shit is, you know, I know this, I know weed, I know, you know, I know cannabis in a sense. So it wasn't like the business side was definitely tricky, but knowing, knowing, like, oh, this is good, this is not good, that mm-hmm. was that was easy, and so. But, you know, a has, lot has changed and a lot is still changing, which is, you know, it's cool to just constantly see the changes and, you know, learn from them and go with them.
0: Absolutely. And that's what we say over eight years, there's been a lot of regulatory changes. So you guys got started in, in the medical market then? Not at all. I okay.
1: started in straight wreck, and so applied for the license, got got licensed, you know, had the location and opened up. And literally just trials and tribulations, I guess, all the way through, and kind of figured it out, figured out the market, and just went with went with it.
0: Yeah, and I know we were talking about right right before we started. You know, Washington doesn't have the, the MSOs in in, a, in the way that the cannabis industry talks about the the big, bad MSO, these, you know, we, we didn't know out of state Mm -hmm. finance and we're still, some of that still happens in Washington when people move the money around. Right. But Mm -hmm. obviously you guys being like a family owned store, that has been around since the start, you know, Tacoma specifically has seen a couple large retail chains come. So I'm kind of curious your, your approach to make sure that you guys remain competitive as like larger stores, which obviously come with larger marketing budgets and larger buying power. So they can do a little bit things that, you know, more, mom and pop or a single store can't do. So I'm curious some of the ways that you guys have remained competitive over these years being that, that single store.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of, some of it has to do with our location in a sense where there's no other dispensary like right next to us. Like unlike on Sixth Ave where you got two or three, you know, they're all kind of in the same space. Um, We get a lot of traffic that goes by, but I think a lot of it is just the, the feel that we bring is just, friendship or friendly we want to make sure our customers are taken care of you know we don't like it if you get a bad product you know we're here to help you we want to take care of the people that we work with uh, you know bring smiles and on top of that good pricing and quality product you know if you got to compete and we're not over here trying to overcharge just because we're a small company we're in line with all the pricing within the market and even less in some cases just you know just because we like to give our customers that, like, hey, thank you for shopping with us. Thank you for being with us from, like I was saying, from day one type of thing. And, you know, we like to offer, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just keeping that friendship and keeping uh, being kind to our customers and making sure they're well taken care of. And, I, and I, could, I think that's what keeps people around. And I
0: think you've been a testament to that. When I've been at the shop, you know, even when, you know, doing some more managerial stuff and other people on the floor, I even see you personally popping behind the camera, making sure you're greeting people, talking to people, asking them about their previous, you know, the previous product they purchased, their experience for it. Mm. Um, How much, how, how much is that of just like goes into just intentionally having those conversations with people? Like how important is that with the customer base?
1: You know, I think for me, it's kind of natural in a sense where I just, I want to know how people are doing. So I'm like, Hey, how's your day going? You know, what are you looking for in a sense where it's like, I want to build that relationship whether it be to make a sale or to not. But I think it's important that we, we keep that kind of friendship going with our customers just because it helps them know that they can trust us. And so when they are buying product from us and we know that they're always going to get some good stuff that they're looking for. And so I think it's it's important to have those conversations with people just because they're not, they're not data points. They're not just fucking, Oh, a twenty dollar eighth or this person's buying a thirty five dollar eighth you know these are people these are our people and they're coming in here and they're showing us love when they could be at any other store you know not saying that other stores treat them like shit but you know we try to do our best to treat them great and we've heard stories from customers saying that oh they felt disrespected over there Mm -hmm. didn't like like it so they came here type of thing and so you know we want to stray away from that type of impact on them. We want a positive impact on them in every case as much as possible.
0: And that personalized connection for sure. How do, you, how do you approach like product curation in terms of like in understanding that like, is it looking at data and just kind of, not just the, the numbers of the data, but like these kind of conversations with people of what they're asking for and what they're looking for? How do you approach kind of the, the buying process to make sure you have the right products for, for your guys' consumer base?
1: yeah definitely i mean it's always um talk first is like talking with vendors and seeing like hey what kind of you know what is the market saturation with their products like it used to be like oh we don't want to be we don't want you in our store because you're in that store there's always a lot of that going on in the industry but we're always in the like oh you're in that store of course people like your stuff we want you in our store, and type of thing you know and so it's always in that aspect, like how big is the saturation for that specific vendor? And then on customers, our customers asking for this stuff. And if the customers are constantly asking or have asked multiple times, we'll, you know, reach out to the company and bring it in. And then on top of that, it's like, if we reach out to a company that we think our tenders have liked our bartenders shop around sometimes, you know, cause we don't have a huge shelf space like some of these bigger companies do. And so, you know, sometimes our butt tenders, like, want to try something different. They'll go down down the street to, like, Mary Mart or something and try what they have. And they'll come back and say, hey, we should carry this. This stuff's really good. And so we'll go about that route. And, you know, if the butt tenders are pleased with it, they're likely to sell it to the customers. And the customers will be pleased with it, too. And so, but a lot of ours comes from a butt tender, um, if our butt tenders like it. So if our butt tenders mess- don't like it at all, aren't messing with it we're not going to carry it. If our bartenders are on board and I mean, they know cannabis and they love it and they'll smoke it themselves, then we'll sell it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's
1: that's where a lot of, that's where a lot of the curation comes from is do our people fuck with it? If they don't, then we're not going to carry it.
0: And what is that? What does that process look like? Right? We were talking about this too a little bit offline, like in, in this industry, sales reps are, you know knocking on your guys' door, sending emails, calling mm-hmm. nonstop, right? Like what does it look like for you for a sales rep or a brand to kind of build this not in the store? How do they build like a successful relationship with you? What's that what's that approach look like from your perspective?
1: Honestly, first the product talks. And so if they got great product, you know, we listen to them. We we'll, we we'll, we'll start the conversation. We'll have the conversation if we think the product is great. And sometimes the product's great, but the price ain't right. You know, the price is too high. We feel like it's overpriced for what they're asking for in a sense, not, not typically that way, but if the product is good, we have shelf space. We need this price range. We need, um we need something in, in that category, essentially, then we'll go about connecting. Um, A lot of the, the customer the companies that we already have established in our store they're easy to work with and you know it's never they're all they're not always bombarding us with stuff they're not always just like constantly blowing us up it's always like hey how's it going just checking in you know everything moving and a lot of companies I carry are very friendly and they're nice and they'll take stuff back like oh this this is getting old this isn't moving we don't want that on your shelf either let's get you some new stuff and so it's very very respectable in that aspect um but as for getting like new companies in, it's always about does your product, how's your product, is it good? Are the samples fire? Are the tenders messing with it? And then we'll go from there.
0: And then from the experience too, right? Like buying and even customer mm-hmm. like customer preference, right? Industry cannabis is a, is an agriculture good, right? Like you might have a strain now, sure. you might not have it on the next crop. Um, you know, it might. My, and especially when you come to vape carts and concentrates, right? Because they're sourcing flour, right? Like mm-hmm. the flavors and the and the strains are c- kind of consistently changing. Um, do you notice people coming in and wanting a lot of the same, ex- not just the same brand, but like the same exact strain or unique product that they had previously? Or you feel like they're more so teetered to like exploring something new?
1: I think uh, speaking from my customer base, a lot of them are wanting what they regularly get and it's because i think at this point since our customer base has been in like an established customer base they've already went through the trials of what they don't like and what they like and they found what they like and they like to stick with that you know sometimes we run out of product it happens you know either we're waiting on our order or we're the company has doesn't have anything for us at the time and so you know we try to get them to something similar and that opens a new door for them to try something different, which they may move on to that as well. But I'd say it's like 75% are consistent with what they like. And then 25% are like, give me whatever. Let me try something different. Yeah. And so, which is cool. I I, I always encourage customers to try it because we got so many things Mm -hmm. so many products. It's like, you know, just try something different. There's so much, so much out there and you never know what you're gonna like you, you know sometimes you may not like it but it's not gonna be bad you know it just may not be a thing so but it's always encouraged
0: try, yeah trial by fire yeah I'm, I'm always you know i know i'm on the I'm, <laughs> yeah. up, up, upper tier cannabis consumers but i'm always trying to get something that i either previous like or know that i like and then i i like to always try and find something you know get put onto something new you know i, I kind of I, I play both fields when i'm buying
1: yeah yeah I think some people are just afraid to be disappointed yeah and I ha it happens sometimes you know it's that that product that you thought that looked great was just not up to par for you and it happens you know there's no it sucks because we can't sample things out to customers we can't let them smell anything you know the stupid ass Washington laws, but unfortunately we got to work with you know the state and the fucking stupidity when it comes to cannabis laws in Washington but if they could touch the weed smell the weed and have more of like more senses before mm-hmm. the purchase i think it'd be a lot better in in that sense to where people are always like oh shit i'll try this now i'll try this but it's like oh it's in a jar i want that i already tried that I already smelled it give me that one again
0: yeah
1: i think that's where a little bit where it comes from
0: yeah no i i i totally get that and that i mean yeah it makes sense that's If you could smell it, that's a good indication of what it's going to taste like, you know, most of the time. Right. Yeah.
1: People be grabbing the bags and like smelling (laughs) trying to smell through the mylar,
0: trying to just smell through the bag. It's like, it's like, man,
1: I wish I could open it for you. But, you know. They'll find us, bro, even having an open package in the store. Yeah. and Ridiculous.
0: And something I've noticed, like in Washington, even more so than other markets, like the window into the jar, the the, the visibility, the bag appeal, if you will, is actually seeing the product yeah. in the bag when we're talking about flour has been such a big yeah. component of Washington. Um, and I know people say it's because of our rules, but like in Cali, it's a little bit culturally different where there's a lot of shit in mylar's you can't see into and it sells off the hype. Yeah, I think Washington is starting to shift a little bit Where like you're starting to see people That used to be almost like a full glass jar With a tiny little label They're now like not scared to just give a little jar But do you feel like that's a big point For consumers in Washington When it comes to flour Is like making sure they can just see the product
1: Yeah I think so Especially because you can't smell it And you can't touch it I mean yeah, I guess you don't really want people Touching all the weed anyways But yeah I think if you were able to just smell the product instead of having, you know, sniff jars that just go old, um, it, it'd be big. I mean, a lot of people, what they do is now just have um, your sticker on the very bottom of the jar and they have the logo at the top and they got a seal that goes a little bit just closing the lid, mm-hmm. but the rest of it is open. So you can see the whole jar. And that's, that's really the only way that you can check it out before you, you know, and you go off the butt tender's word. And so. Yeah, I think it's very important. There's a couple companies that we carried. I know when, when Cookies came into Tacoma, they did the whole closed bag thing. And I don't think people were really fucking with that just because Washington just was never about that. And now we got a couple companies that have a completely closed bag and it's like, I can't see it. And so it's just sitting on the shelf. People don't yeah. buy it. It's like, you can say you can talk it up as much as you want, but if they don't see it. They're not going to get it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I you said a second ago, if I'm, I'm important. if I'm going to drop 40, 50 bucks on an eighth, right? Like I'm I'm not trying to yeah. open it up and immediately be like, oh, man, I
1: bamboozled. Exactly. Like usually when you smell some weed, it, it usually smells good if it looks good. And so if you can't even see it and you can't smell it, what are you doing? You know, Absolutely. It's, not, it's just not going to work up here until, you know, we're able to do certain things. Certain changes implemented in the in the laws for us. Yeah, I yeah, guess and, the rules.
0: <laughs> and I know you said you know a lot of the customers are coming in requesting the same thing. When when people come in and request a product, maybe it's not a ruler who's like, yeah, I want what I had last mm-hmm. time. Are people asked for? You feel like leaning more towards like requesting a specific strain, a specific brand, or is it like a specific strain by a specific brand?
1: usually it's a specific strain by a specific brand but if we don't have that strain they're usually cool with what's in that in that brand unless there's some there's some die hard like i want that trophy wife like nobody you know give me that fat panda trophy wife and it's like i'm sorry i don't got it all right i'm leaving and so there's some people that are that are that way you know and it, it works for them that's what they need that's what you know that's what gets them through their day i get it and so but you know, there's some things that are similar you could try that might have, you know, similar effects for you. But a lot of people I think it's because Washington is so brand oriented when it comes to products that people know the brand more than they know the strain sometimes. And it's like, oh, I want that one strain from Fat Panda with the pink on it. What's that called? And so and is that or so the rain what's that rainbow joint?
0: have you seen that increase as the markets matured? Like as we've been, been through legalization, you feel like it, that's happened it keeps happening more and more where people are just more cognizant of brands.
1: Um, in a sense. Yeah. I mean, there's some, especially with like older brands that have been around for a while and like a, a big brand in our stores, doghouse. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a big fan of theirs as well. they got some good quality stuff and they're, you know, they expanded it to other States as well. I think, um but people's like oh let me get you know what you got from doghouse and it's always like what you got from doghouse what you have from panda let me see what you have from cedar creek and so it depended upon the brand some people know the strain that they want but a lot of people that know the brand they're like what do you have from that brand because i fuck with that brand i'll smoke anything from them kind of thing and so i think brands have a big big role in trying to stand out and making sure that people you know keep coming back to them and people do.
0: And then if if someone's not aware of a brand and they're looking kind of just at all the stuff mm-hmm. on the shelf, how much do you think packaging goes into at least like them inquiring about something?
1: Uh, I would say a good amount. Like if you got some dope packaging, something bright and nice is going to stand out more to that customer. But then again, it's always like, can you see the product? How's your weed look? That's what I would go to first is. How's that, you know, how's that window on that Mylar bag or the the visual from the jar to see the product before you purchase it? And I think that has a, a, a big impact, like we're saying.
0: Yeah, and what what are some of the ways, you know, with, with having to rely on you guys, right? Like sometimes obviously you guys have, mm-hmm. you know, vendor days happen and brands can come in and actually interact with the consumers, but most of the time it's up to you got yeah. you guys the and the bud tenders to, to to explain these things to the to the end consumer what are some of those ways that brands are educating you guys on like why they're different and giving you guys kind of the information to pass on to the to the consumer or do you think uh, um do you think that's kind of a hole where like not a lot of people are really taking advantage of that
1: you know i don't i think that used to be a big thing um a couple of years ago i think <laughs> pre covid I think that was a big thing where brands always come in, they come and drop all these flyers, this is our product, these are our strains, these are effects. And that may have dropped off a little bit, but it it has some merit to it in a sense where we build that connection with that brand. Like, oh, these guys came in, they told us these things about their product. And we understand that, oh, this this, uh, strain is really sorry. Of this strain is across this and this. And I think that's useful in a sense because then we understand um, like what we're selling. And so if we got some weird ass strain name but we don't know what the cross is and we can't find it online, it's like, all right, I don't know what this is. How am I gonna sell this? And so, you know, ultimately it comes down to just trying the samples and seeing if the weed is good and how it makes you feel. And then you can relay that to the customer uh, this is how it made me feel and this is why I like it or why I don't like it. And, you know, certain customers will like it for that reason. Others will not. But I think it's important for companies to to pursue a little bit education rather than just sending out an email saying, hey, this is what we have and this is why it is mm-hmm. what it is. But on the back end, I mean, they got a lot of work to do on their part, too, right? They can't just be going around to all the fucking stores and trying to educate people. You know, some some people got to, you know, or some some companies aren't, aren't big enough for that type of work where they just got to be all hands on deck in the back end, you know, to make it work.
0: And do you feel like consumers on that, right? Like they- like brands but how much do you feel like they care about action of knowing right like we all know like thc percentage most consumers want the high thc if you're in the industry you know that's not really the, the factor of determining right. if something's some real smoke or not but you know there's been this pushback of like we need to educate consumers but what i think a lot of people find out is like consumers you know it's hard telling them that okay. thc doesn't matter <laughs> you know
1: yeah yeah i mean you can you can get through to some some of their heads uh but some some of them are stuck in their in their percentages and so i mean you can try you can try to educate them i think it's mostly just informing and it's sense like oh this is what this is and you know these are some effects you can get from it and if they connect with that like oh this is what i'm looking for i'll get this you know but a lot of it could be because we don't have too much time to educate you know what i mean we got a mm-hmm. line up line of people we got to get to and so we can't be sitting there explaining every little detail why this is and what that is and we just got to summarize it for them and if this if it sticks to them it sticks to them if not then you know we'll we'll holler at you when you come back in and try again but yeah i, I don't think a lot of them i don't want to say that like they don't care but it's just sometimes they just they just want their product and they want to go yeah you know some people do care some people take the time to come in they got the leafly menu up they're like hey what do you have that does this this and this Mm. like sure let's see what we can do for you and so you know that's cool too some Uh, people really know what they want some people just want the numbers
0: i always tell bud tenders i'm their worst nightmare man i'm gonna come in there and have them grabbing like 30 different things off the shelf showing it to me and then i'm probably gonna end up picking some that they didn't even talk to me about (laughs) ask questions (laughs) well i mean yeah that's their job though i mean i think people
1: should do that it's like come come in see what we have you know expand your horizon and so there's there's a bunch of stuff in there try something new that's what i always tell customers try something different you
0: know and i you never know what you're like. i've known i know you've done a lot of hiring and a lot of training right and worked worked hands-on with a lot of bud tenders you know we've been getting a lot of questions lately when we were doing these shows about people like how do I get in the industry? And I always encourage people like you can start creating content, you know, similar to something we're doing right now. That's, that's a way to break in from, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from a seat in your own house. But it's always like bud tenders or sales reps are kind of those like high turnover jobs, right? That, that if you want to get a bud tender in a specific city, if there's a couple different dispensaries, you could probably, you know, might take a little bit to get your way in. You could do it. What do you look for Mm -hmm. when, when hiring a bud tender? How much is like past experience important versus just kind of other you know, just traditional employee type qualities. Like what are some of those things you look for when, when hiring bud tenders?
1: You know, past experience is always nice because it's, you know, you're familiar with the rule sets in a sense where, you know, how to check your IDs, you know, what brands or what, what products or what essentially what prices could be. Um, But honestly, it's the type of person. It's like, what kind of work history do you have? Are you somebody that just bounces from job to job or, You know, are you a solid person? Are you kind? I I look at kindness first. Mm -hmm. Are you a kind individual? Because I want that to translate over. Because you're working with a team of people and you're working with other human beings that are coming in looking for things. And are you able to be patient? Are you able to be kind and go off of that? The training can be there. Are you a good learner? Are you willing to learn? That's all possible. I can teach you what you need to know. But are you willing to retain that information and apply it, Mm -hmm. you know, Some people are able to do that. Some people are not, and you know you can't tell really until they're in that position doing the job. And that's why I think that's why there's such a high turnover rate because everybody's great during the interview, and then you fucking put them behind the till and they don't know what's what. It's like you just acting the whole time, (laughs) you know. (laughs) It's like if you can act, you act like you got it together. But you know, it happens. Some people just can't handle it, and you know, a lot of I think some people come into the come in with the idea of they're just selling weed. Oh, I'm just selling weed. It's like you're doing more than that. This is customer service. Mm. This is teamwork. You know, you're learning. You got to educate yourself on products. You need to take the time and figure out what's what. You got to research things. You know, it's not just I'm going to show up and just sell weed for fun. You need to know pricing. You need to know different product types. You need to know what's the difference between diamonds and live resin and you know shatter you got to figure these things out you can just walk up in here like on I've sold weed on the street before I can do this you can but you're gonna have to expand your horizon while you're in here so I think it's important to be open open open-minded and ready to you know take on a task it's not an extremely hard job by any means but it's not easy right you're dealing with people you're dealing with all sorts of people that come in some a lot of people aren't high yet and so they're frustrated they're getting off of work they had a long day they just had a death in the family you know there's some there's a lot of different faces coming in you just got to be kind and empathetic to a lot of a lot of people coming in and just have to have that characteristic
0: absolutely absolutely yeah. um you know on the on the state of 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 products right like something we talk about all the time is uh what is quality? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's super subjective. I always say, I always use the example of like, when we're talking about who's the greatest hooper, you know, who's the goat in basketball, like we'll never all agree. There's Mm -hmm. three to five people that people argue about is up there, but nobody ever agrees. So when we talk about what is quality, we all kind of have our own, own opinion, but I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what, what, what makes a quality cannabis product? Um, first, if it's,
1: you know, it looks nice. It doesn't look like shit. You know, product is trimmed up nice. It depends on the price point, too. Like, if I'm buying a $45 eighth, it better look nice. You know, the crystals got to look nice on it. It is, you know, good bud structure in a sense. Then it's got to smoke good. It's not going it to, can't be too harsh on your throat or anything. You know, make sure you guys, you flush your shit right. And, you know, it tastes nice, I think, when it comes to that. But there's also, like, we saw the $40 ounce of shake that people just flock to, you know, we sell out of that stuff in a couple of days and we got, you know, people are calling it, Hey, you have the ounce back in, you have the ounce back in. And so it's just, it depends on the, on the company, um, how much effort and time. And this is Northwest roots here in from local, from Tacoma. And, you know, Brent's a great guy from over there. And he's been supplying us with that, with that stuff for a, a good amount of time now and people just love it. But I think it's, it is subjective mostly but you know on the on the baseline is it look good does it smell good does it taste good and is it you know get you high and so you can smoke some shit that looks great and doesn't get you high it's like what am i doing with this but i think you know all of those senses coming come into play before you smoke absolutely but again i think it's very very subjective in a sense because like I'm not going to sit there and drink a hundred milligram fucking little raised shot because I know what that'll do to me. And that's not fun for me. But there's some people that come in drinking two or three of those a day. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's like they love it.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's diff- different consumers, right? You can't compare a $45 exactly. to a $45 ounce, man. You can't.
1: And I think that's why there's such a big selection. It's like everybody has their own little oh I want that I like that cartridge over that cartridge and i like I want a super flavor cartridge or no, give me some live resin, no flavor, nothing, just I want that shit tasting like smelling like weed, you know? And there's just a wide range of profiles, flavor profiles that and people's palettes uh you just gotta try to you know, get them all.
0: Accommodate too. No, I like that. I like that. Exactly. Accommodate, exactly. That's a great perspective, man. Yeah, yeah you yeah. shed a lot of game on, on the retail environment right here, man. I, I appreciate you hopping on here, <laughs> Gary, on, on, on the course. North American Weed Tour podcast, man. you always been a been a homie and appreciate rocking with you. For people out there looking for more information, DiamondGreenTacoma.com. Anything else you want to plug before I get you up out of here, man?
1: No, nah, man. Just follow Instagram. Don't flag our shit, you know, <laughs> at Diamond Green Tacoma. My is always out here just flagging our shit. We're just trying to just try to sell some weed and make the people happy. That's all. And so, no, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for you know allowing me up here, and I love what you guys are doing. And I'm I'm behind you. So let's you know keep it going. RMR to the moon.
0: Hum- humble by that, bro. Appreciate <laughs> you. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast. We'll be back with some more content. Yeah. I think more interviews later this week, man. This is Diamond Green. Like I said, DiamondGreenTacoma If you're in Tacoma, go by check out their dispensary. Appreciate you, Gary.
1: Yep. Thank you, man.